0: This is the 12 Songs of Christmas, today with Ernie Haas and the Signature Sound. I'm Alex Rawls from MySpiltMilk.com. And this is my podcast about Christmas music. This is the second episode of season three. Last week, the season started with an episode focused on hard candy Christmas and Dolly Parton. And if you missed it, you might want to swing back and check that out. I had a good conversation with singer Alexandra Scott and the RuPaul version of hard candy Christmas is worth waiting for. If you think it's a little early to start talking about Christmas music, think again. Megan Trainor has released a video trailer for her upcoming Christmas album, A Very Trainer Christmas, which is due out October 30th, and Carrie Underwood is ahead of her. She not only has a trailer up for her first Christmas album, My Gift, but that album is due out September 25th, and she's already released a track from it. It's called Let There Be Peace. Here's a preview.
1: Let there be peace Peace to everyone Let there be hope for all the world to see. Let there be love and joy to all the children. Let there be peace on earth for you.
0: post both of those trailers in the show notes. This week, my guest is Ernie Haas of Ernie Haas and Signature Sound. They're a spiritual vocal quartet that last Christmas released, A Jazzy Little Christmas. I wanted to talk to Ernie because faith is a part of the Christmas music conversation that I haven't talked much about on 12 songs, but it's clearly central to many people's holiday season. The Christian roots of Christmas are far more complicated than those who worry that there's a war on Christmas would like to believe, But I don't think 12 songs can be meaningful if I choose to ignore how important faith is to many people during the holidays. Fortunately, Ernie was a good person to talk to about the nuances of how the spiritual and secular interact. A Jazzy Little Christmas was his fourth Christmas album with signature sound, and it was very much the result of Haas meeting Billy Stritch, the longtime arranger for Tony Bennett. The opportunity as a vocalist to work with Stritch led to the album, as Haas will explain. Anyway, I appreciated his openness and willingness to talk about how faith and aesthetics interact. Let's get to it then. This is Ernie Haas on the 12 Songs of Christmas. What are your earliest memories of Christmas music as a kid?
2: <laughs> it was the, you know, those LPs, the vinyl, of course, and uh, my mom and dad would always play. It was a, it was um, Andy Williams. It was whatever, uh, Firestone uh, Record Club, whatever the right. record club they were a member of at the time, <laughs> uh, but it was uh, the Carpenters, and it was... And it was definitely Elvis Presley. I mean, mom and dad were big Elvis Presley fans. I, I, and I am too. And they didn't realize that I would end up being such a, an Elvis fan. But 1972, he came to Evansville, Indiana. I'm originally from Southern Indiana, and my mom, myself, and my little brother, we slept in the car in the parking lot so she could be first in line to get tickets. Wow. <laughs> so Christmas has always been full of uh, classic songs and and a lot of a har- harmony. If you look at all those records I just mentioned, there's always harmony there. Were, did your family sing a lot around the house? My mom played the piano. Uh, we grew up in church, and mom played the stride piano. Uh, if if, if, if wow. those of you who are listening and, and know that, what that is, uh, she, was, she was great at it. Bless her heart. She, her hands are all c- crippled now with arthritis, but I tried to get her last Christmas to get around the piano. And and sing some of those songs, but yeah, we'd sing around the piano, uh, and just those classic, those classic American songbook uh, songs would always come. And we'd all get around the piano, and we'd sing. Those were great times. And uh, we'd always make fun of my dad because he had a tenor voice. That's where I got my tenor voice, but uh, he couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. So <laughs> we'd always make we'd always feature him on a song, and then everybody belly laugh. So, so good times. Yeah.
0: How long, do you remember about like? how long how old you were kind of when that sort of stopped being a part of your uh, holiday tradition?
2: Well, I guess when we all, you know, went our separate ways and, and and I started chasing that dream of, 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 of being a musician, being a vocalist. And um, so, but I've, I've never missed a Christmas going home, being with the family. And so that's still a part of the tradition now. Um, my wife and I, we, we do not have kids. We have 29 years of marriage. And she told me the day we got married, I'm going to get you raised first before I take on another kid. (laughs) So, (laughs) so we don't have kids, but my, my brother has kids and it is, so the house is still full of kids and and it's still full of harmony. I, and with this new record, the Jazzy Little Christmas, it was a great way for me to, to teach my nieces, you know, and say, yeah, okay, here's the third, here's the fifth, but here's, here's an augmented chord. Here's a, a diminished chord. Here's what that means. And so they didn't know it, but they they were starting to get a theory lesson.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great! Well, I tell you, the reason I ask about
2: your uh, so
0: so basically, so you were still would be a teenager in the house at Christmas time, singing singing songs with the rest of the family, right?
2: Yes, and then of course, you know, raised in in uh, in, in a Bible belt Bible believing church, you know, our Christmas tradition was going Christmas caroling, and so. That was uh, that was something that we would go do. We would sing in nursing homes, and then we'd knock on people's door, People who were what what they called shut-ins that couldn't get out at Christmas, and, uh, and I was the one who was always saying, "Where's the harmony? <laughs> 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 Everybody's on the melody here." And so, and then, and then when I got to high school, you know, we had our jazz ensembles and the vocal jazz, and the and the and the and also the uh, barbershop quartets, and and so I just. Alex, I've always just gravitated towards harmony sure. and, uh, and then the, and the starting point with me was always Christmas. It just seemed like for one magical moment in the year, everybody came to the same style of music, you know? And at that time it's not a genre of music. Uh, we're fighting for territory we're, everybody's like, here, here's a place where we can all get together and, and sing. Sure. And, uh, and, and then when we do our tour, our concerts, uh, it just inevitably it breaks out into everybody singing "Silent Night" or, or "Away in a Manger" or "Or Happy Holidays." Right? You know, so so it's just uh, it's a magical time of year. And if I could tour Christmas all year long, I would.
0: So I want to come back to the uh, to uh, hi, to uh, singing at at home because there's something I want a point I want to get out of that. But you just touched on something that I always think is really interesting. I, that uh, you know, it, it occurred to me at one point that you know, Christmas music might be the one body of music that pretty much everybody knows. Mm-hmm. That it really has become, you know, I mean, this, was, I think this, this is part of the reason I think that Bob Dylan did Christmas music was that the point, you know, he kind of, his sort of last decade was exploring both like classic uh, folk songs, Christmas music, and then Sinatra, and basically the sort of the songs that have are or have been you know sort of America's musical lingua franca, yeah, and yep. you know and and I, I thought it was interesting that as you brought that up that these are the songs that if people start singing, everybody can everybody can sing those
2: It's hard to get everybody on the same page on anything, right. especially in this climate, you know, so you know you if you want to divide a crowd really quick, start talking about politics, sure, you know and so you know when I'm on stage, I'm trying to get everybody on the same page. You know, And the Great American Songbook is a great starting point in that Tin Pan Alley, that broad, old Broadway cabaret. And um, you know, I, I remember watching – I've seen Tony Bennett three or four times. I was fortunate enough on this new uh, Christmas record to work with his former um, musical director, Billy Stritch. He, he produced and, and played the piano. And, uh, and he said that Tony said and – and his advice to every singer and to Lady Gaga was don't sing – to genres, sing great songs and you'll sing to generations. And, and and that to me is what happens with Christmas. You're singing generational songs. You're not singing to genres. And there's nothing wrong with genres. I mean, I'm glad there are, but, but what we're talking about with our love and your podcast and everything all Christmas, I think that's why there's such a great starting point there because it just speaks to generations. Yeah. You
0: know, and I think one of the things that's really important is the way they do connect. Like, I'm in New Orleans, and one of the things is, I've talked with uh, older musicians about is how there used to be a body of material, especially, you know, either, you know, sort of songs, music that was on kind of the, you know, jazz, R&B, you know, borderline, that used to be that if... You were on a bandstand and somebody wanted to sit in. There were about 30 or 40 songs that were just common knowledge, and mm-hmm. you could bring and someone wanted to sit in and wanted to jam. You could call one of these songs and be pretty sure that everybody on the stage could do it. And, and a few have told me, you know, it's a sh- one of the things a shame is as time has passed, that common knowledge isn't quite the same anymore, and that you can't assume that. Everybody knows like a Mercy, Mercy, Mercy or something like that. And, you know, but, it, but people still all know Christmas songs. And uh, I think that's, you know, sort of, sort of speaks to the power of this, of this music.
2: Well, I, I have to agree. 100%. And then it's our job, you know, once Christmas and all the tinsel and the trees are down and we go back into our own corners of the world and uh, it's it's our job to to reintroduce these songs to the next generation. And I'm actively doing that right now. And um, I've actually partnered with a couple of people and we started a small boutique record label called Club 44 Records. And it's it's dedicated to the jazz singer player, uh, the American songbook. And so we're, 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 you know, this is probably the worst time ever to start a label and try to sell CDs.
0: Exactly. (laughs) But you know
2: what? It's the love of music and love those classic songs and, and, and that, that gets you up in the morning and keeps you going, you know? So I've always followed my heart and the love of the music. I've never, I've never followed the, the, the dollar. The dollar, you know, hopefully will follow you after you've done something, a body of work that that people can connect with you know and so that's where we're at right now and um and the, the tour the get the the, uh, the jazzy little christmas tour it just it just speaks to everybody and so it's just fun looking out in the audience and seeing three generations a grandma the daughter and the granddaughter and they're singing the same song
1: In the meadow we can build a snowman and pretend that he is Parson Brown.
0: He'll say, Are you married? I've talked to a few musicians who've talked about how when they were playing music with the family or singing Christmas songs with the family, or playing piano with the, you know, as the family was singing, that in some ways it was sort of the first flickering of thinking there might be a future in this, or at least thinking it started to think of themselves as a performer and realizing yeah. that you know, not only can I do this, people are into it and it started to become, it wasn't just a thing they did as a, you know, as older brother or whatever, or, or a son, <laughs> but started to think I'm actually kind of a singer or I'm a piano player. Did you have that experience? <laughs> of this Did, did you yes. start to become conscious of, of
2: yourself as yes. a musician? Yes. Um, so you know my 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 experience was being uh, raised in a church, you know, and there was a lot of gospel singing, and of course, you know, when you get into a church, I mean, that's 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 what that's what we capitalize on. You know, it's just everybody just raising the rafters and singing at the top of their voice, you know. So that was that was my my experience, but they they had a big a big big uh, room worship service for the adults, and then. After the singing was over, they would tell the kids, you go downstairs (laughs) and get out of here. And so we'd go downstairs. And I'll never forget, um, I really got into a certain song. And I was still singing it when when I got down there with with the kids. I I had to be five or six years old. And I remember this. And the the teacher, she said, God bless her heart, she said, said, Ernie, come up here and sing that for the class. You seem to like that song. So I got up on a chair and I sang it. And she looked me in the eye and she spoke into me. She said, "You got a voice of an angel. Do you know that?" I'm like, "No," nah. but okay. And she said, "I believe God's going to use you. You're going to sing to thousands of people." And you know, and I guess she was just being speaking into me positive things. But um, I took her up on it. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> I, great. I I saw, I saw that you know everybody's paying attention to me. And then of course you know, it wasn't two or three weeks later, I'm in grade school and I have my little acoustic guitar and I'm standing up and I'm singing, uh, Ben, remember the song Ben from the Absolutely. movie? <laughs> and I, I'm singing and the girls are paying attention. So I'm like, Hey, there's, there's something here. <laughs> so oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I, that, that, but that was my experience. So you know that the people listened and, and I had their attention and, and I liked it.
0: Oh, that's excellent. So, you've released, uh, four Christmas albums, including the Christmas live album. So as f- sort of a basic, why do so many Christmas albums?
2: Well, I'm going, Alex, I'm going into my 33rd year of touring and performing. And, and for me, it's, it's all, it's, it's that starting point where you can get everybody on the same page. And, and so it's been 10 years since we've done a Christmas record and it was time. I needed new material. And, um, and then just I it was a, a wonderful accident. I was in New York with my wife. We are doing our Broadway Blitz. We were there six days we took in eight shows I mean that's I mean that's all we did was eat and watch musicals and then on the on the on the dark night which was which was Monday when when the theaters are closed, we went to the oldest jazz club in New York uh, Birdland Jazz Club and we're sitting there enjoying some amazing amazing musicians and then uh, at nine thirty they did an open mic night and uh, and i'm just i stayed there till one one o'clock in the morning just mesmerized and then standing around afterwards i went up and introduced myself I, I was with my also my friend wayne hahn who's my producer and co-writer of a lot of our music and I introduced myself to billy Stritch and just said hey i've enjoyed you tonight you you're fantastic and um and believe it or not he said you know i I kind of know who you are. I was raised in, in church wow. in the in the south in Texas. So, you know, I don't I'm not I'm not I don't, I don't play that music, but I I kind of know who you are. And I said, "You want to work on a record together?" And he goes, "Why not? What you got in mind?" So, that's when I told him. I said, "I want to do a Christmas record, but I want to do it with this experience that I I felt here tonight." And he goes, "I can I can definitely help you there." So, within within 3 weeks of that chance meeting, I was back in Manhattan recording a a Christmas record with with D Billy Stritch and his wonderful band. And so the rest they say became history for us.
0: Wow. Did having him involved uh lead to any of the song choices that you
2: made? Absolutely. How so? Yeah. He he uh actually he 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 steered the ship on that and basically he was just was saying, you know, with your voicing and with your guys' vocal ability you know, these are the songs that would lend it to, to really t- tight four-part harmony, that four freshmen, the high lows, all that stuff that I grew up listening to. And so he helped steer the ship on that. And and so when we went into the studio to record the tracks, we just we just got out of the way and said, don't don't even listen to our scratch folk. Don't even listen to us. You phrase it the way you hear it, and we will match what you play. And that, so that's how we were able to get that authentic sound.
0: One of the reasons I asked is I was thinking when I heard uh, Christmas time is here, I was yes. thinking that that seemed that, 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 approach that the whole song, it seemed very much like something that almost came a ranger first rather than musician first. Would that be one of the ones that he brought to the table?
2: He brought that one to the table and he brought so Okay. And, uh, and he he had worked so much with in times past with uh, Manhattan Transfer, who kind of got their start right there at Birdland Jazz Club. So yeah, all those voicings and everything you hear us do that that came from him.
1: Christmas time. Their favorite time of year Snowflakes in the air Carols everywhere Olden times and ancient rhymes Of love and dreams to share
2: Would you have got to that arrangement on your own? Absolutely not. No. Um, I know what we're capable of doing, and I know how to stretch us vocally. And believe it or not, I had 100% confidence that we could get there. But I'm not going to lie to you; it was it, it was tough to hear those hear those harmonies and phrase them that way. And um, but with a lot of diligence, a lot of a lot of polishing, a lot of work, and a lot of patience on. Billy Stritch and Wayne Hahn, We got there, and then to present it live, you know, we went back to. We were asked to sing uh, Christmas Eve morning on Fox and Friends live. uh, You know, right there in in Manhattan. So here we are, standing outside, singing all these wonderful songs. And that night, before we went back to the Birdland Jazz Club, and Billy said, "These guys, they've been working really hard. I want them to come up here and sing." And it was, so it was like the culmination of a year and a half work to be able to walk up at that jazz club where I first heard Billy and him to play and, and us to stand there and sing on, you know, four vocals on two microphones. So just stand there and just blend. Oh, that's excellent. And, oh man. Yeah. I, I, it was, it was, a, uh, you know, so that, that's, that was a dream come true. It really is. And, and actually, you know, we're dreaming again. I'm meeting with Billy, uh, this week and we're going to look at maybe doing a, uh, a jazzy little love song record for for you know, Valentine's Day, Valentine's release 2022. And oh, cool. just go back and grab some of those old classic uh American songbook love songs. So yeah. So it's 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 got us it's got us dreaming outside the box again.
0: Well, what I wonder, you know, and is does he does bouncing off him, does he bring sort of an imagination, you know? that you would not have had on your own that, you know, that obviously you, obviously you could execute that version of Christmas time is here. And uh, so it, so it, musically, it was in you. Was it an imagine an issue of, he has, you know, just simply his imagination worked in different ways than yours did.
2: Yeah. And that's the beauty of collaborating. And so I, you know, I give him complete credit of steering the ship musically. And then with Wayne Hahn, our, our musical producer who did all the strings arrangements and the vocals. Once Billy, Put down the track. It was Wayne Hahn that went in and said, "Okay, here's here's the voicing. Here's what I need you to do, Ernie. Here's what I need. You, here's how I need you to say it." And so it was definitely a three-part col- collaboration. But with me, the vision, the dream of it was just I wanted I wanted that sound in four-part harmony. And what I what I feel is the uniqueness of Ernie Haas's signature sound. Um, there is a lot of those songs that you've heard Dean Martin sing. You've heard Frank Sinatra. You've heard all these Tony Bennett. You've heard all these great sing singers, in, you know, interpret these songs. But to hear it in four-part harmony—that's the uniqueness of what we bring. And everywhere we go, um, from Billy Stritch to to all the people who, you know, who have our, you know, have our record, and are coming back to us saying, you know, that's a, that's a sound we haven't quite heard. Sure. And so that that's the uniqueness of it,
0: yeah, I mean, I think I always thought that was the challenge of a Christmas song. It's part of what drew me to Christmas music in the first place. Uh, once I started to think about it ju- as music is that I became fascinated by Christmas music as a musician's challenge, because the question is always these you know, there are thousands of versions of Christmas time is here so yes. if you're so if yes. you're going to cut one, you've got to think about. How to do a version that has a reason
2: to exist, okay, and now there's where we had our greatest collaborating moments in a in a ninety eight degree uh, New York day in a studio where we were sweating beads, was just sitting there and saying, "We cannot copy. We cannot just you know spit this out. We have to have an arrangement that takes people somewhere they didn't think they were going to go yeah exactly.
0: I, I you know, I've always thought people talk about every year at Christmas time people who you know who just who need, <laughs> people who need clicks, post uh post lists of the worst Christmas songs. and I always think they're never the worst Christmas songs. The worst Christmas songs are the ones you don't even remember exist because they were so generic because yes. they are people who made all the same choices that someone made before them. And yes. so they're the songs that are completely forgettable and are completely redundant because somebody already made that musical statement. And, yep. you know, the qu- challenges are, like in many ways, for y'all, because you do have the four part harmony as, you know, as literally your <clears throat> signature sound, that it does make it possible that if you get at a song, you've already got an advantage in that it hasn't often been heard this way.
2: Exactly yeah about seven years ago we did a uh a record called the inspiration of broadway and so we took all those old classic songs and once again uh found great success and toured it three or four years because they never heard climb every mountain with a wall of sound in four-part harmony and so so that's the unique that's the unique thing about us and what we do and uh, people people love it you know it's kind of a it's kind of, you know, and when we were on Fox and Friends, they kept calling us the Barbershop Quartet, even though they, uh, <laughs> we are uh, not, uh, but uh, it's kind of a, a lost art form. And then when you think back to my first musical Christmas songs, I mean, it, when you heard Elvis, you're, he always had the Jordanaires behind him. So there was always a four-part uh, equation there that that really always grabbed my heart. And, and 33 years later, you know, being able to still make harmony and you know, get everybody on the same page on stage, and then try to get everybody in the building on the same page. Uh, it's it's the greatest. It is the it is the challenge that keeps me getting up in the morning and trying to to figure out how to how to keep doing that. Are Christmas music's are Christmas albums good business? I think so. Have they I sold really well did. for you? They've sold great, and what really sells well is selling shows. Um, we actually started doing Christmas earlier than ever. We started the second week of November and we went right up to Christmas Eve morning and only had seven days off. Wow. So, so yeah, it was taxing, but, uh, man, it went fast. We absolutely loved it.
0: Oh, that's great. Is that a thing you planned? Have you been doing that or is that new to that new last year? Uh,
2: we have always toured well during the Christmas season, but with this new, uh, recording the jazzy little Christmas. It just breathed new life into into our fan base and then to our, our buyers. So we were able to sell, uh, a year and a half ago, we were able to sell probably 75% of our inventory, meaning our the dates that we have available, to, to uh, three buyers. They just grabbed them. Wow. They liked the concept. They loved the idea. I'd had um, two or three songs completed. Uh, but you know, a year before the record was even done, just and I went in and did some, some video, um, teasers of us singing those songs, and so the people we've worked for all these years said, "Oh, this is, this is our, our people are going to love this." So we were able to we were able to sell seventy five percent of our inventory before the record ever came out. Oh, that's great. Good for you. Yeah, this is the thing.
0: Actually, I I hope to explore more. But the I the, the the way Christmas performances have become, you know, Christmas concerts have become such a big deal. You know, like I've talked, I guess I talked a few, I've talked a few times with members of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Mm -hmm. You know, and like they keep, they have two full lineups so that they have, can be playing, you know, they have enough work that they can be playing uh, on, uh, you know, they they can be playing in two cities, you know, from... um, you know from november from this early november through the season they they even used to play almost until new years i think they've cut down at the after christmas shows but you know they can play you know two gigs a uh you know there's enough demand and i've been to a few of them and it's like they they're they fill them every time and so that's you know, crazy and I, last year, actually, this was a great one. You'd appreciate this. I, I talked to uh, a group in Nashville, and they are a group called The Ornaments. And the, the three members in the group are, are se- session players the rest of the year. And 14 years ago, they started playing kind of as a lark uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas uh, soundtrack from end to end. And oh, wow. that actually, and that caught to such a degree that now for about the last two weeks before Christmas, uh, they pl- They have a venue and they're playing, they play it nightly, uh, twice a day on weekends. They have guests come in to join them, but it's become like they've had to cancel other work or pass on other work during the Christmas season because for 14 years, they've now become a part of uh, people's holiday
2: traditions. That's great. That's great. Well, I'm, I just turned 55. And like I said, I've been touring for 33 years and we do about a hundred concerts a year. And the older I get, the more I keep cutting back on, on the inventory of dates. And literally, um, if I, if I could tour October through December, uh, I'd be happy with that. That's how. That's how. How. how much. Um, I really enjoy the tour, and what we can do. There's places we've done. Uh, I would say 12, 13 years in a row, and we're part of their holiday tradition. You know, so I always go to the person who actually books, book, you know, books the date and signs the contract, and say, hey, I don't want to overplay and overstay our welcome here. If you want to take a year off, I understand. He, and they will, they'll say every year, they're like, they would kill us nah. if, we, if we didn't uh, bring uh, you in. Uh, uh. And I'm like, but I'm not sure I'll have new material next year. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. They like the program.
1: It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And Five and ten, listening once again with candy canes and silver lanes of glory. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Joys in every store. But the prettiest
2: sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. Yeah, and then you have a certain amount of people like me who may not wear it on their sleeve and, 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 and make ever try to make a point of getting it across. But, uh, you know, I believe that, uh, something big, major event happened
1: mm-hmm.
2: in Bethlehem. <laughs> right. And, and so there's a song that we sing and it sounds like it came straight from the Muppets. It's called, he started the whole world singing. Yep. And so, and so, There are, there are a lot of people out there who are more filled with questions than with answers. And I would still have to put myself in that category. Just, you believe that there's something bigger than all of us and you want to believe that God did care enough to come to us. And so, um, and here's what I, Alex, and here's what I'm trying to say at Christmas. You have people who probably wouldn't talk about that or even think about that being true, saying, "Mm, I entertain that idea. And then you have people who are completely sold on that idea, who are saying, I'm cool with Santa Claus and Rudolph. (laughs) So it's like for one magical season, everybody is okay in the same room. As soon as it's over with, everybody goes back in their own corner. And um, that's to me – is as probably a, a bigger thing that we could talk about um, that the music does. It brings people together who normally probably wouldn't want to be in the same room together. And I absolutely love that. And we need anything that brings community and brings people together. We need to celebrate those things.
0: Yes. And, and I have to say, one of the things I've always been proud of when we do this is, you know, I and a lot of friends, a lot of my friends have a wise guy sense of humor, but we, I never take, you know, never like to goof on Christmas songs and we never, like if we're out singing, we always make an effort to try to do the best we can with it. We may you know, say, it may be everybody singing melody in whatever key they're singing it in, but everybody's actually taking the song seriously. And if you're going to sing it, you know, you got to, you know, invest. And I always thought that was really important, that idea that that it's, people aren't doing it ironically, and <laughs> that that kind of just sort of a really basic connection. You're ba- you're connecting at a core level to something. Whether you're connecting, mm-hmm. you, whether you're connecting to the spiritual uh, underpinnings, whether you're connecting to your community, whether you're connecting mm-hmm. to just having a kind of having an honest experience with other people. At least you're invested. And, yep. uh, and that there's, and that you're doing something genuine in this moment. And I always think that's, and that may be a variation on, on what you're saying, but, uh, I always think that's that idea of, of ha- making it, of making a genuine effort to, to find your relationship to this moment and this music feels to me like pr- you know, pretty meaningful.
2: It is. We all want to believe that we belong and that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And, uh, and whether we believe that or, or can verbalize it that way, uh, it, that doesn't matter. I, I just know music music is one of the most dividing things, but it's also one of the most uniting things. And uh, so I choose to use my, my music that way, um, and I take pride. You know, I've, I've turned down opportunities to, to uh, have uh, big-name politicians come in and open the program by saying, hey, I'm here. It's great to have you all here, and and everybody knows what that's about. <laughs> Vote for me, right, right, right. <laughs> but I, uh, and you can get a crowd doing that, and you can and you can gain followers, and, but you lose followers. I I want to make it about the music. I want to make it about the message, and um, and I want people to, my goodness, people are spending their hard-earned money. People work hard for a living. You know, if they're giving me a portion of their of uh, their earnings. I want them to leave and say, man. He, he should have charged me more. I, that, nah, I mean, that, nah, that's, that's nah, my approach. Nah, nah. And I've, and I've had, I had a guy, you know, one of the best compliments you can have. I had a guy say, how much, are you, how much is that CD? I uh, said, so, well, they're anywhere from, from 12 to $15. He goes, too cheap. And he gave me a $100 bill. He says, give me 10 And I wow. said, I'm going to pass these out for Christmas. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's awesome. Something happened with that music yep and uh, I can't wait to tell Billy Stritch that story he'll he'll love that
0: so one of the things uh I found interesting when I looked at your Christmas uh records is that you do a mix of both of carols and hymns and secular music like I even saw like heat miser in there
2: oh absolutely and, <laughs> one of my favorite clay nation <laughs> Christmas shows of all time <laughs> uh,
0: why fold the uh, secular songs into the mix
2: uh if I'm being honest with you. I just don't see a line between secular and sacred. It's all sacred to me. If I could if I can make somebody laugh by doing heat miser on stage and we do we act it out. Our bass vocalist Paul Harkey is from the south and he likes Christmas warm and hot. And I'm from the north. I love it cold with snow. I mean, and we act it out on stage and the crowd is dying laughing, belly laughing. Well, in that crowd, there's people sitting there going through some amazing crap in their life. I mean, my sister-in-law just died two years ago with cancer. December 9th was diagnosed, December 31st gone. I mean, so I know in that crowd, there's people out there who are struggling, who are hurting. When they're laughing, belly laughing at me and what we do on stage and the entertainment that we bring, that's not secular. That's sacred to me. So I, I just – I'm weird. I just don't – I don't see things that way um, I just, however, I can get somebody's attention, and entertain them, and make their day a better day. It's it's all sacred to me. Do you get any pushback from people who don't see it the same way? Absolutely, all the time. And like I'm trying to say in so many words, it would be a lot easier if I just choose a side and do s- sacred hymns of Christmas, and it would be a lot easier if I would just do nothing but. Santa songs. You just, you find your crowd and you go. Sure. I just don't, I choose not to live my life that way because I don't wake up in the morning thinking that way. Uh, I look forward. I love basketball, man. I I look, I, I, I hear jazz when I play basketball, right? I'm improvising. Um, you know, so I just, for me, I know everybody can't live that way, but I just, I embrace the mystery every day. I wake up, and, uh, and when I'm not that way, I, I find that I'm very self, I'm being self-centered and, 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 and I'm being, a, I'm hoarding things. I'm not, I'm not living my life with a, with a giving spirit and, um, it's just not a good way to live. So, you know, when I, when I, when I sing, um, I try to, I try my very best to sing from that center and, and from that starting point. And, um. That's
0: just what makes me, what makes me tick. Yeah. I, I, one of the reasons I ask, one of the reasons I'm fascinated by this is, is because in some ways, I mean, I, I'm, living, I'm in New Orleans, and there is certainly in the South some historical precedent for that kind of separation. Yes. Um, I've told the story on this podcast before, but it's one of my favorites, is uh, the New Orleans musician uh, Huey Piano Smith. Who recorded uh, "Don't You Just Know It" and uh, "Rockin' Pneumonia Boogie Woogie Flu"? In the late '50s, he cut an album of Christmas music, and he and he had at that point kind of the vision to recognize that Christmas that if you cut a Christmas record, it was going to be played every year. By that point, there had been experience with uh, White Christmas being played every year, so he could see that if you cut a song that could be played every Christmas season, there's a chance to sell a lot of records. And so he cut an album, and when it first was played on an American bandstand-like TV show, that the host played part of the record, took it off and broke it, and considered it a, uh, considered it sacrilegious to mm. To play a rock, play rock and roll Christmas music, mm-hmm. and the record actually got enough flack that uh, his uh, label owner at Ace Records said that he had to pull the record, and it came off the uh, it came off the shelves shortly after it went up, and it wasn't reissued until the '90s when it was reissued on CD. And wow. uh, but there was enough of a belief that you keep your, you know, you keep your uh, your Christian your, your Christian music on one side, and you keep your secular music on the other, and the two don't meet.
2: That's great marketing. Yeah, it really it really is you and and I understand that, and so I have to be mindful where I'm where I am, singing where I'm performing, um you know i think everybody knows that my history is in gospel and so when they buy a date and they tell me this is not a gospel date we got your broadway show we got your um, you know jazzy little christmas show <clears throat> what i have found though um before i'm before i leave and and i and i I can't remember the guy's name we were somewhere in texas and the buyer was a little jewish man And by the second half, on one of our Broadway songs, Climb Every Mountain, like that, he had his hand raised in the air, which is a really Pentecostal thing to do. And uh, and which I'm not from the Pentecostal faith, but I got a lot of people who follow us who are. And so apparently there were some of those uh, brothers and sisters there that night, and they were being moved, and they were raising their hand. I looked down, and the little little, little buyer had his hand up in the air. Wow. I was over there. I said, I said, "Hey Jerry, what the what in the world?" He goes, "I don't know. It just felt like the right thing to do." <laughs> ah, 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 ah. Oh, holy night!
1: The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. In an error pining, Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth A thrill love, hope the weary world Rejoices for yonder
2: One of the early church fathers, was, which was Paul, he says, "I'm all things to all people," and uh, I think that's a good way to live your life. And so, um, I just, I just think it's a better way. And I don't like words them, they, this, these, you know, things that separate us. So, sure. Um, I hope you can hear my spirit through all that, because I'm yeah. sure I'm not saying it right. I'm sure I'm not using the right words, and I'm sure people will listen to this, will make their decisions, and and I'll just go ahead and apologize ahead of time and yeah. say. Words do get in the way sometimes, and hopefully they can hear my heart and know that uh, what I'm about here.
0: Well, another thing I think you know, I was I was as I was thinking about your 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 musical choices, and obviously as you talk about also, I mean the Broadway album and thinking about, uh, you know, thinking about a love songs album, and I also and I think part of the, in some ways it seems like what you do and the fact that your stuff does have you know while it is overtly christian in, in many cases and a lot of places that acknowledging that the life isn't solely sort of you know you know inside the pen seems like a very normal the, the 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 contours of a normal spiritual life sooner or later you do watch basketball Sooner or later, you, you know, you're watching cartoons. So, you know, and so these are all, you know, that it seems like sort of in a lot of ways, a healthier, sort of more accurate representation of the Christian life to recognize that you listen to other music too. That, oh, that, way you know, more. As you, say, as you say, you go to, you know, that every year you do a, uh, a Broadway run. Thats yeah. you know and you're and you're not the only one. That idea no. of a of a of a of a faith-based artist who's also saying, "Yeah, I have faith, but I also like these things, seems like a completely rational uh expression of your of your music.
2: I have more spiritual experience walking on a trail with my wife as as much or more. Than any, what you call a, a religious experience in a, in four walls of a church, um, and that's why I use this terminology sacred. Everything's sacred to me. When your heart's right, when you get up in the morning and you've got you've got your heart right, which means you're not living inside yourself. And when you when you when you're looking to somebody else, how can I encourage that person? Uh, what can I say to, to that person that might make them smile or or not feel like they're alone? And so um that that is just a better way to live, and so we're I know we talk about music and we're talking to you know that's what's brought us to 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 have this conversation but you know i've this is my little cliche because i can I can pick on my people if you want to say it that way <laughs> i I'll pick on it got people conversations i've had people don't have a problem with jesus they just have a problem with his people right and so and so I just want to be a person who does not turn people off to possibly hearing uh, the voice of eternity speaking to them, because I, I have such contradictions, and we all do. You know, we're all paradox at one time or another. But uh, you know, I love I love what I felt when I when I saw Le Meszaroth for the first time. I mean, good grief. That whole musical is about grace. Um, I just, I I just, I see it. I see it everywhere I go.
0: Thanks to Ernie Haas for the time and the talk. There's one thing I should add to help explain a thread in the conversation today that might have been a little bit opaque at the time. At one point when we spoke, I brought up an annual caroling event that I've organized in New Orleans for more than a decade now. I didn't want to spend a lot of time in the podcast on it, in part because I think I've mentioned it before, and so I edited much of that. But there came a point in the conversation where I couldn't cut references to it without cutting something that I thought was of value that Ernie said, and if I would have cut it, I would have changed the context, and I didn't think that was fair to him. So... Sorry about having a bit of a dodgy spot in there, but I figured you could follow. I should also point out that we actually had this conversation last January, well before coronavirus was in the national discourse, and the idea of yearly Christmas concerts still seemed possible. So that might be explained or might explain why he talked about looking outside and uh, seeing snow. You can contact Ernie on Facebook at Ernie Haas and Signature Sound. And if you have any comments on today's show, talk to me on Facebook at 12 Songs of Christmas. You can find the other things I do on music and culture at myspiltmilk.com. If you don't already do so, I hope you'll subscribe to 12 Songs of Christmas on the Apple Store, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode and you'll make it easier for others to find us. Thanks to AF the Naysayer for the theme music, and thanks to you for listening. We'll finish with one more from Ernie Haas and Signature Sounds, A Jazzy Little Christmas. This is Christmas in Manhattan. See you next week.
1: Another Christmas in Manhattan Where the snow's already There are yuletide greetings all around And the city that's my kind of town It never sleeps Another Christmas in Manhattan Where there's joy on each marquee There is love up in Happy Christmas.